0: Maybe you're not sure, to, not sure what you think about the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe it just seems unbelievable, incredible. Uh, if that's you, you're in good company. Even the people closest to Jesus didn't believe he was going to be resurrected. They had a front row seat to the life, the teaching, and ministry of Jesus, but they weren't in line to get a front row seat to the resurrection. They had seen Jesus do jaw-dropping, life-changing, inexplicable, son-of-God miracles, but they didn't believe that even Jesus could come back from a Roman crucifixion. They believed Jesus to a point. They believed in, in Jesus the teacher, They believed in miracle worker Jesus, they liked Jesus, they even loved Jesus, but their believability only went so far. Now, if you were one of the New Testament authors like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you were writing about the Messiah, and you wanted everyone to believe your story, you wouldn't write your own doubt into the story. If you were writing and you, and you wanted this to, to survive the test of time, you wanted people centuries down the road to be reading it and believing it, you wouldn't write your own doubt into the story. You would want everyone to think that, that you never doubted Jesus for a minute. In all the times that, that he told you that he was going to rise again three days later, you would, want, you would write in there that you bought that hook Line, sinker, rod, reel, tackle box, the whole bit. You got it all. In fact, you, you would probably write that, that you weren't even too concerned over the crucifixion. The crucifixion wasn't, wasn't really the end of your world because you knew he was, he was just going to bounce back in three days anyway. You would want your readers to think that you and all the disciples and everyone who knew Jesus and everyone who was healed by him and heard his teaching, and everybody who followed him, the whole entourage, you would, want, you would write and you'd want people to think that all of you were sitting outside that stone that Sunday morning doing a countdown. 10, 9, 8, he's coming, 7, they're starting to roll, 6, fuck But that's, that's not the story. That's not what they wrote because that's not how it happened. That's not what they believed. Mark tells us in chapter 16 of his book that on Saturday night before the resurrection, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, there are a lot of Marys, and Salome go shopping for burial spices. Saturday night, Jesus is dead, he's in the tomb, Saturday night, these three ladies go shopping. Ladies always go shopping, at least in threes. For burial spices for Jesus. Why shop for burial spices if you think Jesus is going to be resurrected? The real reason that they're picking out burial spices is because they know that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had gone to Pilate and they got permission to bury Jesus. Uh, they, they ran to Pilate and, you know, before the Sabbath, before the sundown and all that, they were able to get the dead body of Christ and Pilate agreed to this. And, uh, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus prepared Jesus' body for burial. These ladies don't think there's any chance that the men did it right. That's why they're out shopping for burial spices on a Saturday night. And so they're coming to unwrap Jesus' dead body and give him a proper preparation. And that's okay. They're, they're, they're thorough. They love Jesus. They want him to have the best, pos- the best burial possible. Their motives are good. I don't know if Joseph and Nicodemus were offended. Like, you know, we didn't do a good enough job. Like, you know, what was wrong with, with the way that we prepared him for burial? But these ladies had good motives, and they loved Jesus enough that they would be willing to unwrap a two-day-old dead body. But they didn't believe Jesus enough to expect his resurrection. They loved him enough to unwrap him, but they didn't, they didn't believe enough to expect the resurrection. It's fascinating. We're going to pick it up in Mark's, Mark's book, in Mark chapter 16, we're going to read the first four verses. Well, Mark says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Now, if you, if you are searching for Jesus today, if you're looking for God, do you expect to find someone who's dead or alive? What do you hope, what do you hope to find? It was a rhetorical question, but I'm glad that you're paying attention. Because someone might say, dead. Or you may be here this morning and just think, I, I, I don't yet believe. I don't, I don't expect to find a risen Savior. I'm not expecting to find a God that's alive. And that's okay. That's okay. Like these, these ladies with their spices, um, a lot of people expect God to be dead. They expect an empty story. They expect an empty faith. They expect an empty message. They don't expect an empty tomb. These ladies, they weren't even hoping. They weren't even saying, like, do you suppose? Could it be? Let's, let's just, you know, it's, it's crazy, but let's, they weren't even hoping to find an empty tomb. They didn't cross their minds. They were expecting to be disappointed, confused thinking, you know, we were, we were this close. Man, I really thought, like, we were, we were that close to having a Messiah. So close to all the pro- promised prophecies coming true. And now, they thought, they thought that their hopes were on the other side of a large stone, entombed, buried, dead. Now, Mark wants to go out of his way to make sure that we know that none of them, no one expected the resurrection. He tells us that as they get closer to the tomb, they wonder if they'll be able to find someone to help them roll back the stone so they can get access to Jesus. So if you're expecting a resurrection, then you think, oh, no problem, you know, it's going to be rolled. But they weren't. So they're walking and they're thinking, oh, wait a minute. I forgot about that big stone that's in our way. Who's going to roll back the stone for us. Here's a picture of um, the garden tomb. This is, this is one of a couple of places in Jerusalem where they think Jesus might have been buried. This is the garden tomb, just outside the Damascus Gate in Jerusalem. I've been here um, several times. I've been inside that tomb. Uh, I've looked around in there. And uh, this tomb is right outside... Uh, a rock formation that has the, it, what you when you look at the rock you can see the face of a skull in the rock, and the rock outside of this tomb was known as Golgotha and uh, this is this could be the place where Jesus was buried and you can see that ledge underneath the opening it 's like a gutter it 's like a like where, where they would roll a large stone through in, in 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 there to cover it up. It's a beautiful spot, beautiful garden. A stone that is big enough to cover this opening is not going to be opened by by two or three ladies and their spices. It's just it's just not going to happen. Now, not to get too um, mystical, I don't want to go all mystical on you this morning, and I don't I'm not don't want to try to make the scripture say something that it doesn't say either, and I do want to be clear, but the Bible is full of imagery, and there's an image that we can apply here this morning. And it's this, that our goal at Moncton Wesleyan, not just on Easter Sunday morning, but all the time, our goal is to remove the big stones that block people from seeing the resurrected Jesus. We We want to roll them back. We want to remove the big stones. Like maybe you came to, to church on Easter Sunday morning and, and maybe you've had a hard time seeing this whole resurrection thing and seeing the whole Jesus deal and, and, and wondering, you know, can it be true? Do I believe? And, and maybe, the, you know, there's some obstacles that are still in your way. And one of the things that we want to do, that's, that's really what we do here at West Westland, is to, is to remove, to roll away the big stones that block people from seeing the resurrected Jesus. We want to clear this up for you. We want to take away all the distractions, all the big stones of of doubt, of fear, of disbelief, whatever. And maybe you came today expecting stones, and all we gave you was open hands and open explanations. Hopefully today you find a living, resurrected Jesus. Let's go back to verse 4 of Mark chapter 16. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Now verse 5. When they entered the tomb, it could have been that opening that you just saw. They saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. God sent an angel to do for these ladies what they couldn't do for themselves. God rolled away the stone. He might do that in your life this morning. He he peels back the barrier and he invites them in. This is what God does. If, If you will go looking for Jesus, if we'll go looking for Jesus, even if you think he's dead, God can remove the obstacles and the barriers and he can invite you into a place where you're faced with reality. Now, I am not an angel. Uh, if my wife was here, she's out serving in children's ministry right now. But if, but if she was here, I'd say, honey, am I an angel? And she would and she'd go like this. No, he's, I'm not an angel. I'm not even a young man. I'm just a messenger here to tell you this morning that Jesus, who was crucified, who was in the tomb on Friday, he's not in the grave anymore. He has risen from the dead. The tomb is empty so that you don't have to be. You don't have to live an empty life because the tomb is empty. The grave had to let him go so that you could let him in. That's the Easter story. So Mark wrote about this. Another another writer that gives us great detail and insight into this is Luke. And Luke wrote an account of this. And Luke tells us, if you, if you look at the beginning of the book of Luke, Luke tells us that before he wrote his book, he carefully examined all the accounts, that he investigated uh, eyewitness reports, and, and talked to people like, was this, is this what you saw? Is this, is this how you remember it? And so Luke was wanting to be really, really careful to bring us the truth of what really happened. And so we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to pick the story up. That's the same story. We're just picking it up from Luke, in uh, verse 8 of Luke chapter 24. Then they, they are the ladies who went to the tomb Sunday morning with their spices. Then they remembered that he, Jesus, had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. The three women go to the tomb. The stone is rolled. The angel is real. The body is gone. And they go and find the disciples to tell them what they, had, what they saw. Now, earlier I said if, if I was writing this, if we were writing this, and and you wanted generations down the road to believe your story. You wouldn't write your own doubt into the story. You would skip that part, you know. And if someone asked you, you'd be like, "Oh, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I forgot to mention that we all thought he was still dead. Sorry, I missed that part. Here, let me let me get that in there." Another thing that you would do if you were writing to convince people is that you would you would never in that era. You would never use women as your primary source of credible information. In that era. Keywords. In that era. Women couldn't testify in court. This was not 2015. Women weren't considered as reliable sources, which is crazy because any woman that I know sees and remembers way more detail than any man I know. There you go, ladies. There you go. <laughs> did, I, did I redeem myself? Did I get myself out of, that, out of that mess? Women would remember exactly the length of the angel's rope. What it was made out of. What size it was. How tall he was. How white his teeth were. The color of his eyes. Men would say, I saw a dude. <laughs> you saw a dude? Yeah, it was a dude. I saw a dude. See, if you were writing this, you would have made Peter the hero. That would have been your story. The story needs a hero, and you would have made Peter the hero. And, and you would have had Peter waiting in a lawn chair for the stone to roll away. And Peter would have been the first one there And you would rest the entire story on the basis of Peter's testimony. Because later, Jesus built his church on Peter. He called Peter a rock. And if you were writing this, you'd think, let's put the rock at the rock on on Easter Sunday morning. That's where you would have had him. But that's not how it happened. Peter, the rock, is hiding for his life. Now, don't you find this interesting? These ladies... With their spices, they're not they're not afraid of the Roman soldiers. They're not afraid of Pilate and the High Priest and anybody else. They're going to the tomb and they don't care. They are going to the tomb and they, they just don't care. But the tough, rugged, burly fishermen disciples are hiding for their lives <laughs> behind a behind a closed door somewhere, hoping they don't get found. And here are the women, like, we're going to the tomb. I, just, I think it's great. I think it's interesting. Verse 11, let me read verse 11 to you again. The story sounded like nonsense. to Peter and all the other guys. It sounded like nonsense. See, see, if you came in here this morning thinking, this all sounds like nonsense to me, you're in great company. Because it sounded like nonsense to them. And they wrote about it. They said, we didn't even believe. We didn't even believe. They wrote their own doubt into the story. It's fascinating. Pastor Tim, do you really expect me to believe in Jesus? That God would would actually orchestrate history to have his son crucified on a cross to pay for my sin? Do you expect me to believe that this Jesus died and that everybody knew he was dead and they buried him? And then on the third day, Sunday morning, that just somehow his, his body just filled with life again and he, he dusted himself off and walked away from death? You see, if, if, if you are struggling this morning to believe that this is true, That's exactly how the disciples felt, and they knew Jesus personally. He told them over and over again that he would come back from the dead, and they still didn't believe him. They thought it was nonsense. The people who knew Jesus best thought it was nonsense. The men who dropped their careers and walked away from everything, put their families on hold, The men who, for three years, they lived with Jesus and sat by the campfires night after night, listening to the very heart of God. They thought it was nonsense. They were not anticipating the resurrection. They were were locked away in some some room somewhere, uh, coming up with plan B for their lives. Guess we'll go home. Wonder if I still have a boat. Wonder if my family will take me back. That was a good ride. It was fun while it lasted, but it ain't no fun no more. Verse 12. Luke 24, verse 12. However, Peter jumped up, ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, you can picture him stooping in to get into that, into that opening. He peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again. Wondering what had happened. I mean, this is Peter. Later in the book of Acts, we see Peter doing incredible things for Jesus. Later on, Peter, Peter becomes bold, and he's in, later he's risking his life, and he's preaching everywhere. But right now, at this point, he doesn't look like Peter the Rock. He's Peter the Waffle. He's Jell-O Peter at this point. He goes, he goes right into the empty tomb and he sees the remnants of the grave cloth lying there and he walks away scratching his head. I wonder what could have happened. Hello! You know, you think, come on. Peter wasn't much different from us. He thought Jesus was a good teacher. Did some cool things. Said some cool things. He even taught Peter how to walk on water. How cool is that? But he wasn't God. No one, they believed, no one could come back from a Roman crucifixion. If all your bodily fluids pour out on the ground, you're not shaking that off. Now, I've touched on this a couple of times, but don't miss this. And I'm giving credit right now to my good friend Andy Stanley for bringing this to light for me, helping to see this. Mark, Luke, Matthew, John, Peter, anyone who was involved in telling the story and capturing it, they documented their own disbelief. They documented their own lack of faith. They documented their own cowardice. They did nothing to make themselves look good or look like heroes. Peter doesn't hide the fact that he disappeared into the darkness when Jesus was arrested they documented all the ways that they denied Jesus, that the ways that they betrayed Jesus, the ways that they turned their backs on Jesus. The men were shaking in their sandals while the women went ahead and found the empty tomb. And even when God removed the stone and he left evidence lying on the ground, Peter still scratched his head and thought, man, I, I, I don't know what, what's going on. I can't figure this out. So, so why do we believe? Good question. You always ask great questions. Why do we believe? Why should you believe today? Why would 147 Kenyan Bible College students say, Yes, I believe in Jesus, and lay down on the ground while somebody puts a gun to their head? Why does the church still thrive around the globe with billions of followers of Jesus and thousands more coming to faith in him every day? Not just because of, of what Jesus said and not just because of what Jesus did but because of what the disciples and the first Christians saw. They saw a resurrected Jesus. In the weeks after the resurrection, not, not decades, not, not centuries after the resurrection, but in days after the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples. And they have breakfast together. And they, they touched him. And then others started to see him. And, and at one point they said there were, there were at least 500 of us who saw the risen, resurrected Jesus firsthand. 500 people do not hallucinate together all at the same time. It doesn't happen. These witnesses who encountered the resurrected Jesus, now they start pouring back into Jerusalem. They're like, oh, have we got a story to tell now? They don't run away from Jerusalem. They pour back into Jerusalem, right back into the fire, right back into the Pharisees and into the very streets where Jesus dragged his cross. And their message wasn't that Jesus lived, but that Jesus lives. That was their message. And there wouldn't be silence. And, and later, I mean, Peter would stand there with, with crowds of people. And Peter, Peter just preached it. And he said, this Jesus who you crucified. God raised him from the dead. He said, we've seen him with our own eyes. And we, we, we cannot be silenced. So now we have this fire. now we have an inferno for Jesus that will never go out, and it never has gone out, and it never will go out and Peter and James and Matthew and all the others who see Jesus after the resurrection th- their faith just skyrockets I mean it just it just goes to to a whole nother level in their boldness, and now there 's no more hiding now they 're prepared to give their lives, even Peter ended up being crucified upside down for his because he saw the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ. So now they, they just, they're, they're willing to do anything, not because of something they heard, but because of someone they saw, and it was the risen, resurrected Jesus. Now we're removed. We're removed from these people by several centuries, but time doesn't make it less true. There's more evidence for the authenticity of the Bible than any other ancient manuscript. Your family would never doubt that your great-grandparents lived just because you hadn't met them. Like if you said to your family, you know what? I don't believe they ever existed. Your family would scratch their heads and they'd think, where did you come from? Right? Time, time, time doesn't make it less true. James, James is the brother of Jesus. James shows up as a leader in the church in Jerusalem after the resurrection. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he was God? And James says, He's my brother and he's my Messiah. He's my Lord. That's pretty powerful. Easter is not about a religion. It's not about church or a bunch of rules or becoming like a certain group of people. Easter is about knowing, believing, and accepting that Jesus is alive. From the days just after the resurrection right up until this day, April 5, 2015, people around the world have been responding to the good news of Jesus, believing. In their hearts. That he's more than just a good teacher. He's more than just an an interesting figure from history. Believing that he is. He really is the risen son of God. And I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask God to to roll away some stones. If You came in this morning and, and you had you had barriers that were blocking you from seeing Jesus, and, and, and God's been, been clearing some of those things up for you this morning, I'm going to pray and ask God to roll away some stones in this room. I'm going to ask God to give you faith, to give you courage, to give you boldness this morning. And after I pray, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here this morning who would like to, to stand to their feet while everybody else is seated, They like to stand to their feet as an indication that today is the day when you've crossed that line of faith where you're saying, this is the day when I believe that Jesus Christ is not the dead Son of God. He's not the dead teacher. He's alive. He rose again. His presence is here right now. And I'm choosing today to to believe, to invite Him to come into my life and to Follow him and serve him with the rest of my life. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to invite you to stand. If today is the day when you're making that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you that opportunity here in just a couple of minutes. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I I know that you are alive. And I know that you are here in this room right now. And God, throughout this whole service, even leading up to this service, our prayer has been that you would roll away the barriers in people's lives, that you would open things up that they might see clearer than ever today, that you are real, that you are alive, that you love them, that you died to pay a price for their sin that you're here right now in this moment and that you will come into their lives if they would simply say Jesus I believe in you I want to choose you as my savior I believe you are alive today Easter Sunday morning April 5th 2015 and I'm asking you to come into my life to save me from my sin to power wash my soul to make me a new person, and I'm saying today, I will live for you. I will follow you. I will give you the rest of my life, Lord. I know that we all we all have stories. We all have reasons that we that we doubt, or reasons that we have uh, issues of, of fear, and faith, and belief, and all all those sorts of things. God, I pray that you would just. Remove obstacles, remove barriers, and give people enough faith. Enough faith to believe this morning. None of, us, none of us will ever have all of our questions answered, not until we get to heaven. We just need enough faith this morning to believe that you're here, to believe that you're God's son, and to invite you to come into our lives. And so be with us now in this moment of decision. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Is there anyone here this morning who would like to stand to their feet and just say, Pastor Tim, this is my day. This is the time when I am inviting Jesus Christ to come into my life. I believe that he's alive and I want to serve him with the rest of my life. You just stand to your feet. I'm sure the congregation would like to applaud for you and and pray for you. Is there anyone this morning? Don't be shy. Just go ahead and stand right up to your feet as we celebrate Easter Sunday morning. There we go. Usher's just going to give him a little bit of information. That's all. Is there anyone else? We had two people stand on a Good Friday service, by the way. That was awesome. Two people on Good Friday. It's a great opportunity right now to uh, to make this most important decision of your life: accept and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior.